reading your bio, um, there was a quote in there and I wanted to read it directly. Um, and then maybe you can tell us about it. So, um, after you graduate or after you graduated high school, you joined AmeriCorps and that was kind of a catalyst for, you know, your whole life. And you said, after I graduated, I went to AmeriCorps and spent a year traveling the U.S. doing volunteer work throughout the central U.S., including Texas, New Mexico, North Dakota, and Colorado. This experience ignited my passion for social justice and, <clears throat> and sparked a desire to dedicate my life to helping others. Boom. I mean, that is a quote that, I mean, it just makes me so proud to know you. So our guest today is Abby White, a friend of both Megan and mine. Um, she was born in Idaho and spent the early part, the early part of her life in, uh, in Idaho and then moved to Spokane. And I'm going to jump forward a lot. She she's, has a lot of education. We'll talk about that. She has a lot of experience. We'll talk about that. Um, but I, what we really want to kind of highlight here is that in 2019, her father's passing led her to found the Hope Development Practice Agency, focusing on LGBTQIA plus support, community engagement, and reforming therapist employment. Abby is now the executive director. The agency with state agency status initiated the uh, East Pierce County Pride event two years ago and employs 20 uh, LGBTQIA plus therapists. They offer diverse support groups and they have a wait list of over 100 people. So now I'm going to introduce Megan, my co-host, who's going to talk a little bit about Abby and then we'll just have a discussion. So take it away, Megan. Hi. Thank you, Bill. Um... Hi, Abby. We're so happy that you're here. Thank you so much. Um, I know that you are super busy right now and always. Um, and I just wanted to, in reading your bio, um, there was a quote in there and I wanted to read it directly. Um, and then maybe you can tell us about it. So um, after you graduate or after you graduated high school, you joined AmeriCorps. And that was kind of a catalyst for you know, your whole life. And you said, after I graduated, I went to AmeriCorps and spent a year traveling the U.S. doing volunteer work throughout the central U.S., including Texas, New Mexico, North Dakota, and Colorado. This experience ignited my passion for social justice and, <clears throat> and sparked a desire to dedicate my life to helping others. Boom. I mean, that <laughs> is a quote that, I mean, it just makes me so proud to know you. Can you Aww. tell us like a little bit about um, your experience and what it was like in AmeriCorps or maybe for people who are considering it or, or mm -hmm. um, you know, parents that may be considering it for their kids? Like what, what, did, the, what did it mean to you? Um, can, can we back up just real quick? What mm -hmm. is AmeriCorps? Mm -hmm. yes. A lot of people don't know. That is, that, that is very true. So we, when we were going all over, people are, are always like, what? Um, and so this was our, our kind of spiel was it's like a domestic peace corps. And so if people kind of think about that now, there's a lot of different like subsets of AmeriCorps. So I was in AmeriCorps in triple C, which 
um, that particular office was based out of Aurora, Colorado. And then they would, every six weeks, we would do like basically a new, um, uh, a new, um, I don't want to say like task, but it was like, we would work on a different project, right? Um, and there were, oh man, it, it, it's the largest, I think it's like, or at least when I was there, it was like the largest of the AmeriCorps um, branches. Um, there's one out of um, San Diego um, and they do a lot of work, um, like a lot of um, eco-preservation and stuff like that. Um, the one that um, I did, we did a lot of different things. So some was like ecological stuff. So like in Texas, um, we helped build trails and tent paths um, because the tundra is really fragile um, there in the desert. And so to help prevent people from like going off and destroying, you know, um, the fragile environment there um, and uh, helped build a boys and girls club in New Mexico, did in uh, tutoring in inner city school in um, Denver, um, built uh, handicap accessible, um, boardwalks in, um, North Dakota and like the wetland like area and stuff. So it was like a, a lot, a lot of diversity. A lot of AmeriCorps mm -hmm. programs are specific to a college. And so they might, um, you might get, um, AmeriCorps grant money to, um, go in and do tutoring for a whole year. Um, we, wow. we are actually trying to, uh, hire uh, an AmeriCorps position to do some of the things like administrative things at our office at being a nonprofit to help us. Um, so that's like yeah. something that I'm looking into. So like AmeriCorps is really big, um, but what you end up getting, you get a lot of experience and then you can utilize your money to um, pay for school. So it can come as a lump sum to like pay for tuition, or you can use it towards like paying um, your monthly payments for your student debt. Um, so that was helpful because I also like a big part of it was just being defiant and not wanting to go straight to college. Like my parents wanted me mm -hmm. to. So, you know, typical young adult, like I know the world better than you and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not going to college because I said I wasn't going to go to college. And then that, quickly changed after my experience there. So, or with AmeriCorps. Yeah. That's you cool. needed that. Some people I yeah. think just need to live some life first. Oh, totally. And yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think more, more, more kids should do that actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think yeah, I just jump right into college because a lot of people are just like, it's culture shock and yeah. go from classes of 20 to 30 people to 800. It's just, Oh, it's right. not yeah. conducive to learning. So how would one go about, about, you know, looking into AmeriCorps? Just go to their website? Is there, Do they have recruiters? Like, how does that, how does that work? They did back a hundred years ago when I was in it. Um, now, <laughs> I found out about it through, um, and I know a lot of schools have lost funding for this, but um, usually there's somebody at the school that helps with um uh, college career and, um, readiness like a and counselor. often, yeah. So like either a school counselor or they, uh, sometimes it's even AmeriCorps people that are helping, um, high schoolers figure out like, what are they going to do after high school? And so that's how I found out about it, um, was mm -hmm. through, um, the, the person at our school. 
Um, and I was like, I didn't want to take my SATs. I didn't want to do any of those things. And, um, yeah, so it was definitely a much better route for me. That's awesome. I love it. So, so then after AmeriCorps, you changed your whole mindset about college and you Mm -hmm. decided to get a degree in health psychology. Um, and then you just, and then you went on to get a master's after that, or how, how, what was your path in as far as school? Yeah. So, um, I went, uh, I got the, my degree in health psychology. Um, and I mean, essentially like you can't really practice psychology with only a bachelor's degree. Um, there's like minimal that you can do. So if you want to actually be able to work with clients, you have to either get a master's or a doctorate. Um, so typically, you know, psychiatrists, psychologists, um, they're often like the, um, doctorate level. Um, and I didn't, I didn't want to prescribe meds. Like that wasn't what I wanted to focus on. And so that's when, why I decided to go, um, in and get my master's. And I initially wanted to be, um, only working with kids and that's what I did for a long time. Um, Mm -hmm. but um, expanded, uh, over time into other, um, populations as well. Um, but definitely like still love working with kids. Also, it's super relevant because with the population that we really specialize in, like, you know, more and more kids are coming out younger or are recognizing like differences, whether it's sexuality, gender identity, and need a way to, voice that and explore that in safe ways. And I think, you know, oftentimes people think like, nope, I'm going to put the brakes on my kid even thinking about that. And it's like, that doesn't mean that your kid Mm -hmm. is transgender necessarily either. It's just a normal part of development is exploring identity. Um, Right. So that was then what, you know, geared me towards um, working more specifically with LGBTQ. But that's amazing. So how do you, I mean, Let's say, you know, somebody is, you know, having feelings that their kid um, needs to talk to somebody. I mean, it's it's becoming less and less taboo. I think like the generation before me, like thought of therapy in a way as like, oh, my gosh, that person is, you know, seeing a doctor or needs to see a doctor mm-hmm. or, what, you know, whatever, whatever it is. But, you know, now nowadays, I feel like it's just it's becoming you know, just a part of taking care of our health and our mental health, I feel like is just as important. And, and, you know, I don't know if we need like public service announcements or what, but I mean, I mean, it it is moving in that direction, but I don't see us there yet. So what Mm -hmm. advice would you give to parents? Um, Ask the questions, like even, even if it's, um, you know, just calling a place like our agency and asking like, what does this look like? What do you, you know, like, is this appropriate? Um, also getting into therapy themselves. I mean, like you said, it's absolutely a part of just regular health, right? Our mental health actually Mm -hmm. like the link between our mental health and our physical health is like, has been proven over and over again. Right. Like, so Mm -hmm. when we don't attend to that, we do tend to have bigger health concerns. I mean, you know, we know the impact of stress on heart disease, um, you know, like mm-hmm. there's so many things. And so like just 
you know, talking with other people about those things and just normalizing it. Like I get my therapy, yeah. you know, I'm like, I'm a therapist and yeah. I believe in it a million percent. And I have gotten therapy, you know, off and on probably since I was mm -hmm. 16. And I think that helps is right. that my parents did do that where it was, yeah. I, I feel like it was taboo. And I still think it's taboo in a lot of places in, in the United I, States. Yeah. You know, I think so too. But, yeah. yeah. I didn't seek therapy until I was probably in my thirties and I mm -hmm. feel like I was super late to the game. And, um, you know, I think that just, you know, normalizing starting earlier is yeah. really important. And how do we do that? You know, I mean, I don't know if there's an answer mm -hmm. to that, but yeah, just doing it, talking about it, probably yeah. just making it okay. Yeah. And just like, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and like going back to your question, talking with your kids about it, right? Like, if you're feeling yeah. that, your kids are probably feeling that too, and they don't know what to do with it, right? Whether it's if they're acting out and they're a little bit younger, because usually that is a manifestation of, of things like anxiety, trauma, right? Like kids that are mm -hmm. acting out, um, there's usually, not always, but there's often something going on. And even if it is like a function of biological pieces, with, you know, like underlying ADHD, um, things like that, like we know that- right if you're on medication, it's going to be substantially more effective if you're also in therapy, right? And especially Absolutely. with little kids, right? Like if you can lay the foundation mm -hmm. for them to feel successful and not have to mask their whole life, like imagine how like amazing people would feel, right? Like, and right? you know, about them. Yeah. About themselves. Yeah. Right? Can you, can you explain that term mask? Masking. So I mean, yeah. you can think of it almost like literal, right? Like we wear masks if we, it, it, to hide our our real self, right? And so oftentimes, you know, that can be the the ADHD mask often looks like a perfectionist, right? Like, so the right. outward, outside world thinks they got it all together, right? And mm -hmm. like they put, put that on because it doesn't feel safe. Like there often is subjected to a lot of judgment, uh, you know, throughout their their life. Um, and not feeling that they measure up to what those expectations are. And so they put on that front and the reality is like, they're like, ah, <laughs> right. Like just like, mm -hmm. you know, living in chaos, right. And doing the best they can or, or they are so uber organized that they're like over-functioning and can't let go. Right. And can't enjoy themselves, can't enjoy right. life, control their kids, control themselves. Right. Like. So those are just some examples of masks, but I mean, we all do it to some extent, right? Like just being in public, we have to mask. Well, my children maybe don't choose to mask, but, <laughs> but we do. I mean, our, our society <laughs> kind of has, uh, you know, taught us that we want to, yeah, that we have those expectations that right. were, you know, but then on a deeper, like psychological level, when it's really deeply ingrained, that's where we end up having issues pop up, whether it's in childhood or adulthood, you know, when all of a sudden you can't maintain that mask anymore and you're like, I'm falling apart mm -hmm. and things are hard, you know? Right. Yeah. So maybe some things to look for in your kids would be like anxiety, acting out, um, you know, what? What else? What else? Um, you know, isolation. What's, what's I, I regular? What's regular emotion and what's over the top? You know, behavior. Yeah. Would you say? I mean, 
it's a huge spectrum. And so I think it's also yeah. about thinking about, is this out of the ordinary for my child, right? Um, is this pervasive if, if it's going on for a long duration? Because we can all have a bad day, a bad week, a bad month. But if we're right. like, because some like, you know, those teenagers, you know, they hit 9, 10, 11, and then all of a sudden mm -hmm. they're not hanging out with us in the living room anymore, right? Like they're yeah. on devices. They <laughs> well, thanks, COVID. I mean, like, there's a sudden. lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it got worse over COVID because of um, systemic isolation that was necessary. Um, but yeah. that also hit during developmental points where kids needed to be socializing. And so then it, you know, really hindered their ability to do some hit some of those uh, developmental milestones. But part of it is right. normal teenage development. But when they you know, are not doing some of the things like self-care. So showering, um, right. Do, going to school, like you're, you're, you're having to fight them around those things. Um, right. You know, and especially if that isn't part of their normal, you know, um, what they've had in the past. Right. Um, right. Just the same know. things that we do when we're depressed, we don't shower Absolutely. or get up or answer phone calls yep. or want to be around people, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so, yeah, I guess just being empathetic to those and, and things and watching, just well, being aware. And, and yeah. being aware. Yeah. Being aware yeah. And, and making sure that you address it in an appropriate way and don't mm -hmm. let it fester and kind of like grow and, and that's hard. It is so hard. You don't want to like invade their privacy and like mm. their, you know, kind of like encroach on their space, especially when they're teenagers and they're mm -hmm. going through puberty and stuff like that. But, you know, it, there's a fine line and I don't know what it is. And I'm a parent yeah. of four and I've got two teenagers and it's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the man? Yeah, no. I think that's the thing about yeah. having a third party unbiased person, right? Like it doesn't have yeah, to be like, absolutely. oh, I'm going to bring my kid into therapy when now like where it's become extreme, it can be like True. a maintenance, right? Like of, hey, mm -hmm. like your body's changing. There's things that are going to be happening and it's hard. Like let's meet with somebody and talk about those things, right? Like, right. You like, know, maybe I, that I should feel be like, a part of our yearly checkup. Uh, I wish. They do right? like the little checklists and they're like, mm, you don't mm. meet, you know, diagnostic criteria for giving you medication. So we don't care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I've right. taken a lot mm -hmm. of those quizzes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Well, um, I, I, I was recently told by two different people, one experienced in the field and one probably experienced kind of from an, in an external way mm -hmm. that I probably have ADHD <laughs> and I'm like, I've never been diagnosed, but I've always suspected it and I just mm -hmm. deal with it. But yeah, sometimes mean, it becomes a, just you know, a part of your when lifestyle. When I was a kid, you just had to deal with it. There yeah. was nothing. Yeah. My, yeah. my parents were never going to take me to a doctor. Mm -hmm. They didn't even know they existed. Yep. Right. You no, know, it's like, well, you broke your arm. Go mm -hmm. fix that. But oh, exactly. I broke my brain. Uh, I don't know what to do about that. Yeah. My dad wasn't diagnosed until he was in his sixties. That's amazing. You know, yeah, but because but the thing because is, he probably never sought treatment for it. Yeah, like I was probably in my twenties when yeah. I became able to not function without 
something without some yeah. help, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that some people just reach that at different, or, or it just becomes like a part of how you live and how you manage your yeah. life. Even with medication, honestly, it doesn't go away. I mean, look at me. No. We're... <laughs> But there are so many, there can be really amazing things about having ADD and ADHD as well, right? Right. Like the ability to hyper-focus, like creativity, like some of like, you know, it's thought that Einstein had ADD, like, I mean, so many amazing things, right? And I think that's another piece that I would love to see change is the stigma, right? Yes. of, Of any mental health diagnoses, right? It doesn't like because somebody has a diagnosis doesn't mean that they are destitute or that they should be shunned. I mean, we're coming from a nation who used to complete, you know, that anyone, right. Like would just be, uh, hospitalized, right. Like, you know, if right, you, we're not, right. and would you say where people with down syndrome would just be mm-hmm. put in a facility. Right. And right. we just thought they'll, they'll only live to the like 20 something. And it's like, wait, n- no, oh, <laughs> like they can have wonderful, happy lives, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like, and maybe, maybe this is just the women that I've talked to and have seen a pattern, but there's, I've met so many women that have a story that it goes something like this and this and this happened. And I was feeling you know, a little unstable. And then I ended up in a mental institution. Do we not know what to do with women who are not like, I mean, and why is it that we just throw them in a mental institution? Like, why aren't we, why? Mm -hmm. I mean, do you see this pattern as well? Oh yeah. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank Freud. So there's that. I mean, like so many of the underpinnings (laughs) of us blaming women and saying it's just hysteria and like all of that. Yes. Right. When, and then also our, I mean, like our medical model, even outside of Freud already had like a ton of these um, issues, right? Like you think about how many, how many different pills for erectile dysfunction do we have for men, but women, we're not going to even go and talk about what issues come up for women in regards to reproductive health. And all of that is directly impacts our mental health. I mean, our, you know, our neurotransmitters are synthesized from hormones and all of that. And so like, so often I've actually had clients that have been hospitalized and have been told X, Y, and Z, been thrown a ton of medication. And then I do a little more digging and I'm like, so how is your menstrual cycle? Like, tell me a little bit about that. And they're like, well, I mean, you know, I believe for like two weeks straight and blah, 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 but everybody dismisses it. And then come to find out they have a really significant issue where they actually need surgery <laughs> and then right. they get surgery and they're like, wow, my life is so much more stable. Right. And it's like, but we're just going to say women are crazy. Are okay. you on your period? Like, and I try to, I definitely don't say it like, right. like that, but I like yeah. you know, explore like, what is this like? Cause don't even gynecologists are like, so do you have re- regular cycles? People don't know what that mm-hmm. means. Right. No, like we don't. Yeah. No. No, we're well, not. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they're, I, I, I don't know about other countries, but I do know a little bit about this country. And there's this weird wall between 
generalists and specialists and mm-hmm. they don't seem to talk. Oh yeah. And specialists right. are great. Like what you do is, is valuable. And I kind of like the Kaiser approach in that it's a team effort and it's mm-hmm. more holistic mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. people talk and, and documents are shared and, and, and stuff like that. But if you're, I mean, and it's chicken and egg, right? If your hormones are messed up, your mental and emotional states may be, and I'm using technical terms like messed up. So yeah, right. you know, if I have to dumb it down a little bit, just yeah. let me know. But, you know, or conversely, you know, if you have some mental or emotional problems, it's going to manifest in, mm-hmm. in physical eventually. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what we don't have is you can't just go to a doctor and get, you know, get a diagnosis. It right. could be, Dozens of things, yep. or it could be one thing that's that's the root cause. But nobody—it's frustrating because nobody really addresses the whole person, mm-hmm. right? And that so, communication. So it sounds gap, like you're doing that. We we absolutely a lot. Yeah. Part of that was based on my training because of doing having been in an agency, and mm-hmm. part of it, it. This is where the like butting up against the system. Um, they would like therapists to be responsible for everything. They just want us to move in with our clients and do all the things for them. So, which is not like a fair expectation. But that being said, collaborative care is, I believe, a huge piece of mental health and recognizing. And so there are aspects of being a therapist that we do, we're supposed to incorporate and ask some of those questions, um, especially for clients that are in state um, insurance. And so I do get a lot of releases. I do like talk with doctors about med- medication management, a lot of hormone stuff, because we are working with a lot of gender clinics um, for um, our clients that are um, non-binary, any of the trans um, uh, spectrum, right? So we work mm-hmm. with a lot of um, endocrinologists. We work with Mary Bridge um, has kind of a team set up for their gender clinic. And Kaiser has a great team set up for their clinic, which I because of having a trans child myself, um, that's who we use. And they are so supportive and wonderful. And they do take a team approach. And that's, I think, one of those um, elements which is important for therapy. And also, like, going to, like, some of the questions that people had about other states and everything, some of the Mm -hmm. misconception around trans-affirming healthcare is that, like, somebody just walks in and they, like, chop off your parts. It takes years and even in appropriate care to make sure that we, because there's psychological uh, testing, there's counseling on, like ongoing throughout the process. There's mm-hmm. like, you kind of have to do, uh, you know, uh, checks about if this medication is working and, and not and balancing hormones. And then, and then maybe after years of that, then someone might be able to get uh, surgery, right? But it's not like this, like, they make it seem like there's a drive-through and people are just like getting right parts chopped. It's like, no, absolutely. And I see a lot of like, you know, people just spouting off about this on the internet or memes. And, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's just this misconception. I saw it on a YouTube video. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not okay. Yeah, no. it's not and okay when we're getting our are... news from memes and our medical yes. information from memes. 
it's yeah we've hit a low point here Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's why people are are afraid for their lives in in a lot of these states because that's where people are getting that information from and Mm -hmm. so not only are they then impacting other people's health care and access to health care that they have no business even having a say in but Mm -hmm. are assaulting people and literally i mean there are people getting killed you know in the united states this is just should not be happening like what Mm -hmm. is happening like why and oftentimes children i mean i consider young adults children that that like tends to be like a a lot a large part of the targeted area because that's you know a lot of the rise and and people coming out and trying to reclaim their identity and their gender um Mm -hmm. but it just blows my mind it does yeah yeah i i I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said none of your business right man i i really wish people would mind their own business and it's like these issues whatever you want to call them are between if it's a kid Mm -hmm. i think it's between the kid Mm -hmm. the parents and the doctors and therapists the professionals the people who know what the hell they're talking about yeah because you know honestly 99.9% 99.9% of the parents don't know either. Yes. They just don't know. Mm-hmm. And the kids certainly don't know. I yeah. mean, they can read and mm-hmm. they're smarter than we are about <laughs> yeah. things that concern them. Yeah. You know, especially. So they know more, more than we do, mm-hmm. but they're still not trained professionals. Mm-hmm. And I just wish people would mind their own business and just... It, it, the same thing goes with reproductive care. Just mind your own business, man. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And then I, I think that too, I, and maybe that's, and I'm just playing, you know, like two sides of the same, whatever, but like, you know, like if we don't talk about these things, like we should, we should talk about them. But I mean, not, not in that way. Not, I mean, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but we should normalize talking about these things, um, not in a judgmental way, not like Bill was talking about, but we need to normalize it in a way that it's not like, oh, we don't talk about mental health or we don't, you know, because, Mm -hmm. you know, even, even like coming on this podcast today, I was talking to my friend Kyle and I was like, you know, um, I'm going on this podcast today. It's my friend, Abby, she, you know, she's a therapist and, you know, do I, feel, you know, am I going to talk about my own mental health issues? Like, do I feel comfortable about that? Like I had that thought and I'm all over the internet with everything. And I thought twice about mm-hmm. coming forward with my own mental health issues. Yeah. So I think like, yeah, it's none of people's business. But um, how do we make it, how do we normalize it in a different way then? You know, yeah. I don't know. And maybe there's yeah. know, not an answer for that either. I think that there is some things that are creating movement. And as much as I'm an old person and don't always understand social media, uh-huh. <laughs> there are some really great, there are doctors out there. There's a couple of really great um, uh people that I follow on TikTok that are psychologists that specialize in like things like um, neurodiversity um, and Mm -hmm. things like that, that are, they talk about their own struggle too, right? Like, and and they're like, yeah, this is why I went into it. Right. Um, Uh And so I feel like 
some of those things are really helping normalize and helping people come forward that probably wouldn't come forward. Um, Mm -hmm. so, but I think conversations in our own households, right. As well, like we need to, we need to really like encourage people to do that. Right. Ask your kids Mm -hmm. about what are your curiosities about things like gender, you know, and like, and I know a lot of people get all up in arms and thinking about having discussions with young children, but it looks different with a little kid. You can talk about things like, Hey, you know, what are, you know, tell me about your friends. Tell me about your dreams. Tell me about the, you know, those things like the first year for Plateau Pride, we did the gender identity, exploring gender identity, but if they were gingerbread men, right. Or gingerbread, sorry, I shouldn't say men, gingerbread people. And it was just exploring aspects of your own identity. Right. And then we Mm -hmm. talked and had information for parents around it's how do you have these conversations with your kids in ways that feels conducive to yourself, you know, what, what you're needing, but also just opens the door, right? Because if you let your child know, like, I want to know when you have these feelings and you can come talk to me about it, they're going to do it. Right. But if they hear these things like, you know, trans people are full of whatever, and that it's not real, your kid is immediately going to say that door is closed and I'm not safe to do that. And then what happens is then you, you lose, you, you potentially lose that child when they become an adult. Right. Right. And, and, and honestly, once that door is closed, it's very hard to open. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of what my work is because I'm as a family therapist is trying to help families learn how to safely open that door because right. Like that kid is not going to believe that that door is going to be safe because they know what their history is with their parent and what that Mm -hmm. feels like to be dismissed or judged. And so like, we have to learn how to, how to not repeat those same patterns. Right. And help the whole family know, like, it's, it's okay to try this other route, even though maybe generations have like over generations, you've been told and conditioned, like, this isn't, we don't talk about this stuff, but what if that means if by talking about it, my kid feels safe and that they can come to me and know I'm going to love them unconditionally, you know? Right. And knowing yeah. too, that yeah. like, it's going to feel awkward and you're going to feel awkward. That's okay. Like you're going to have to just get over that. Like there's a lot of crap that is very awkward about parenting and you just, you just <laughs> right. have to do it. Like what tips are there? Help us, help us, Abby. What <laughs> and embrace the awkward. I feel like just I, live it. Just live it. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes I will like with clients, I'm like, I own it when, when I'm I'm super awkward all the time and like I trip over my it's true. Words she is. I I mean, but I'm like, that's who I am. And like and and sometimes that creates a moment with the family I'm working with or whatever yes. where I can say like like see I'm human too, right? Like I like with clients sometimes like that are non-binary or, you know, I, I sometimes I'll use the wrong pronoun and I'm like, oh, let me own that. <laughs> right. Like, let's not yeah. blaze over yeah. it. Let's not pretend it didn't happen. Let's talk about like, oh, I see I did that. How, how did that feel for you? I'm really like, let me own that. And I apologize. Right. Like, and Absolutely. those, right. Like those hard discussions are what create growth. Right. Like, so often that's where big growth happens is out of discomfort and pain, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, you know, absolutely. twenty years ago, thirty years ago, I ne- I never even thought to ask this question. And the question is, whenever like we're meeting one of my kids' friends for the first time, mm-hmm. I always ask now, yeah. are they he, she, or they? Because I'm I'm cool with they. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I don't know, I'm just defaulting to they from now on. Uh, that's kind of unless yeah. unless I know otherwise, right? Yeah. Right. Um. And and growing up when I did, and probably you guys too, it's like they is just grammatically incorrect, right? Ninety nine percent of the time, but it's it's not anymore. And words change over time, and their yeah. meanings change, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And another thing I wanted to touch on, just just to just to get it out there, and it's going to sound really negative. And you guys know I'm not negative. I like to call myself a realist, but I I, I kind of say it like I think it is. <laughs> oh, I can't um, wait! I cannot what? wait! What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> What is it? I don't like to use the word broken. Okay. Why not? But I but I preface I preface this this what I'm about to say in that I think the stigma behind whenever people utter the words mental health, mm-hmm. what they really mean is mental unhealth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the default, the ex the ex, the expectation about mental health is that everybody's fine until they're not Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and i think that's wrong we don't think that about physical health it's like Mm -hmm. you know it's obvious i I think when you see somebody let's just say in crutches with a cast on Mm -hmm. they have an injury it's obvious they have a physical issue at the moment yeah Mm -hmm. that you know mental and emotional wounds heal Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes they don't, mm-hmm. but if you neglect them, they probably heal wrong. Mm-hmm. And if you like nourish them and, 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 you know, kind of like take care of them. The point is, I think we're all broken. Yes. Yes. Some of us okay to, to different say. degrees. Yeah. And it's okay. It, sometimes you're more broken than others. And sometimes you're more like perfect than others. Like sometimes you're feeling great. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're not. Yeah. And it's it's very fluid. And, and it, it only becomes a real problem when it's, like, super acute, like, amplified, mm-hmm. or it's a long period of time. Yeah. Like, everybody is going to be depressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For minutes, days, maybe weeks. But that usually, like, resolves itself mm-hmm. through whatever coping mechanisms you have and things time goes by and things don't look as bad as they did before. Yeah. But some people kind of like drop into that and stay there for a long time. But I don't like to say that people are broken, but I feel like we're all broken to it to an extent because we're not perfect. And I think that's what people think mm-hmm. like your mental health. It, you're either perfect or you're not. And it's not like that at all. No. None of us are perfect no. in any facet of life. Mm-hmm. Just some, sometimes we feel better than others. And it's, it's just weird. I think that's what creates the stigma. I don't, I don't yeah. know. What do you guys think? I think, yeah, I I'm think not it's the okay. professional here. I think it's okay. <laughs> I'm not either, but I'm going to chime in anyways, because it's my show too. Yes. <laughs> I'm going <gonna> to <say, laughs> just say that, yeah, I think it's okay to say the word broken. I think that we're all broken and, you know, can we all be fixed? I don't know. But, um, you know, like, yeah, I'm just like, my theme today is just normalize all of this. Like, 
You know, mm-hmm. how, how can we do that? Like, how can I be part, how can I be part of that? Um, and yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you a hundred percent that we're all, and yeah. Part, part of normalization. I mean, normalization means make it normal, right? Yeah. Like you got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about these things. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about depression. Yeah. We don't talk about, you know, um, other you know, issues. Um, we don't talk about suicide. We don't talk about ideation. We don't talk mm-hmm, about those mm-hmm. things because it's like, it's almost like if we talk about it, mm-hmm. here's the weird thing, right? If we talk to our kids about homosexuality, the thought by a lot of people is yeah. that's going to turn them gay. Uh, it's like mm-hmm. talking about depression is not going to make you depressed. Yeah, it's right. going to like bring awareness to the situation and, yep. and hopefully show you some signals that, oh, shit, right. I might be depressed. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need some help. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Yeah. You break an arm, you go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. It's pretty simple. Yeah. And it's okay to explore different kinds of treatment for that. Because I think a lot mm-hmm. of the time we go to the doctor, we just go to the general practitioner and, you know, I've been diagnosed with probably everything under the sun, like, you know, as far as my (laughs) mental health goes, because, you know, it's like, they're not specializing. And if I'm just taking a quiz with 20 questions on it, you know, like, Mm -hmm. what, how is that? Your mood, you might answer differently tomorrow. Yeah, depending on my mood. I mean, especially, you know, like being bipolar and, you know, having, you know, those ups and downs. I mean, it could drastically change mm-hmm. um, it's almost like you need somebody to like shadow you throughout your life and go okay that's that's right, something and right that's something. honestly honestly and that's why talking to your family just like abby said is important you know mm-hmm. because like you may be on one medication or or trying to n- not take medication anymore or, or maybe going more holistic route or whatever mm-hmm. and you know my family i'm like you know my family knows like what to look for or, you know, or if I'm off or, you know, like, I don't think Paul would feel uncomfortable coming to me being like, you're a little off your rocker. You would do the same. Right. You would do the same if you were diagnosed with a heart condition. Absolutely. What are the signs I'm having a stroke? Yeah, exactly. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because it could be just, it could be just as dangerous. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Say it again. It could be just as dangerous as having people. a stroke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. No. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then Megan, you kind of touched on a little earlier about why don't we like deal with these issues with women, right? Right. I'm going to tell you from a man's perspective. I'm not going to say it's just as hard. It's just okay. hard and different. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, as a man, there's an expectation, and and it, there's a spectrum again. Not every man is like this, mm-hmm. and you know. But there's an expectation that you don't cry, mm-hmm. that you don't show weakness, mm-hmm. that you don't tell people your problems. And that's a real problem. Yeah. Yeah. Because are you going to go to the doctor? No, you're going to want to go to the doctor with like a hat on and mm-hmm. sunglasses and go yeah. into the shrink and, you know, Absolutely. sneak in and sneak out. It's like, that's a stigma too. And yes. it's it's not cool because yeah. and I'm so how glad unhealthy that, is that? Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I have... You know, I've heard a lot of men talk about like, oh, I've never even thought about talking to my doctor about that, or mm-hmm. I've never even right. considered that, 
you know, because, right. you know, of exactly what you just said. And it's, it's weird too, because I think as a society, whether this is right or wrong, and I, I hate saying this and I don't want hate mail, but not yet. There's a, there's a greater <laughs> expectation that women are going to have, I'll just say emotional problems because they have drastic hormone fluctuations, mm -hmm. whereas men don't. That's not true. That's not true. I can yeah. tell you, I can tell you for sure that men have their times. Yeah. <laughs> and it may be more, more frequent than monthly. I don't know, but you know, it, it, it's, it exists. It's mm -hmm. not right. It's not as chemical. It's not as easy to point to, but right. Exactly. It's still there. There's no like monthly ritual around it. Mm -hmm. right. Well, that's and, and, not you know, that's external. But there is, men have yeah. cyclical hormone. I mean, we all have cyclical, like hormonal release. It's just that women shed the lining every month. Mm -hmm. Men and men yeah. go through a, right. a different trajectory. Like we have menopause. Men's bodies change as they get older as well. Now it looks right. different externally. And so then oftentimes we take it for granted, but no, like the, the, it's still just as valid, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have more questions, Megan? Because oh if you don't, gosh. or at some at, at some point, I'm going to ask um, what the what the, the the members of our Facebook group have asked. Okay. So I can jump into that at any time, but you can keep asking. I feel and like Abby, if you're okay, we're, we're we're at the top of the hour, but I think we're like one one hundredth into this. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so we're just pulling out like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, we can't stop yeah. now. I, I was just going to say, like, I feel like we need to go back and um, talk about your family. Like, you have an yeah. amazing husband who you met in childhood. And, seventh grade. Um, seventh grade. <laughs> I used wow. to make fun that. of his pants in sex ed class. That is how we met. <laughs> See, I mean, kids love stories. Did, did you just say what I think you different. said? I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't well, like that. Might be for another time. Yeah, I was just like I was a a like. Uh, I would joke with people. Like he he knew I was joke like joking. You know, it was uh -huh. I think he had like corduroys, and maybe I had never seen corduroys or something before, and I was like, "What is happening with these pants?" But <laughs> You know, and like, you know, we, uh, we weren't like besties or anything. Um, we, we knew each other and went to school together. And then like my senior year, um, our paths, uh, crossed more closely. Like we hung out with similar circles. Um, mm -hmm. and then he started really getting close with my brother, um, when I was in AmeriCorps. Um, and, um, so there was like that connection as well. Well, then mm -hmm. my brother got in a major accident um, when he was, he had just graduated high school. It was like two weeks after his graduation, fell off Mount Baker and had to be air flown to Harborview and almost died. So his fam, uh, Ted's family lived over here in Eastern Washington. I was still in Spokane living with my sister nannying for her. Um, and um, so we flew over and he like, let me stay over at him and his parents' house and like shower and do my laundry. And, um, after my brother, um, got out of the hospital and was recovering and stuff, like, um, we started inviting him, you know, up and, and 
kind of was part of the family, you know, and it was funny because then later that's when I went to Bastyr. Um, he -hmm. was at UW and so he was like 15 minutes away. And so then we started hanging out and like, um, within a month we were engaged and my parents were like, we were wondering (laughs) when you guys would figure out that you guys are dating. Like, I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And if you That's guys awesome. know Ted, I mean, he's the perfect match for Abby. I just love him so much. He's he's a good yes, friend as well. He's my my centering for sure. Like he definitely Yes, has he's so moments, chill. But he's like chill. Yeah. Yeah, he's like maybe one of the most chill, like easygoing people I've ever met. Like he's mm-hmm. he's amazing. Yes. We love Ted. Hi, Hi Ted. Yes. Um, so then you guys decided to, you fell in love and got married and then you had two amazing kids. And, um, meanwhile you were working at the, um, agency or were were you having, did you have your own practice by then or what was going on while your kids were little? Um, so when my kids were little, so I was still in grad school when we had Zeke. And so he was a college brat. Like we both were in grad school. He literally would come into school with us and we would change uh, babies. Like we would exchange kids and we were like, peace out. Um, so then, um, for, <laughs> for your becoming a therapist, it's actually a really long process. It's, I mean, all in all, you may as well have a doctorate. So you have to do as part of your graduate program, you have to do an internship, which is about a year. Mine was a year and a half long. No, it was, it was five quarters. So, uh, 15 months, um, of unpaid therapy. Right. Um, so he was little, like Ted had just been started teaching. Um, so we're like trying to swing it on no, no income from me, him just starting as a teacher, having to pay for daycare so that I can go work, you know, several days a week. Um, but then, I got hired on there and shortly thereafter, a couple of years later, then I had Jack. Um, and I stayed there. I was there for nine years. Like I loved it. Um, and um, even though like, if this tells you anything about how poorly therapists are paid with a master's degree, I started out making 18, 75 an hour. Um, yeah. So yeah. that was part of where with hope development, where I was like, and what no, year was this that? This was, I graduated in 2007, right? Okay. Um, after nine years, becoming a supervisor, being licensed, and running my own program, left only making $21 an hour. That This was only six years ago. Wow. Right? And Oh, my gosh. That, like, if, so most people with their master's degree working at an agency mm-hmm. are not making, I mean, it's jumped up like a little bit, but not that much more, right? Like, and we, you know, master's degree like is a hundred thousand dollars. That's of expensive. Of yeah. Months. How are you supposed to pay yeah. for your degree? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah that's that's a good question. She, still, in that she probably still is. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and with like the loan forgiveness, you should laugh. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, but like, I mean, so All that's. Right. It's yeah, exactly. I'm like, they die with me. So I'm, I'm good. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So then, um, yeah, like, I mean, we bought a house in Puyallup eventually. It was 
definitely uh-huh. a lot of drug activity there. <laughs> so it like is our first okay. place, right? Like, and you had two little kids. Salary. So you were like, okay, maybe kids. not here. Yeah. Yes. So that's when, then we moved to, to Holly, um, after about seven years. So in 2013, uh-huh. um, and yeah, and so that's where I met both of you guys. So yeah, we all lived in the same neighborhood. Abby was just around the corner from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh. I I actually met. I think I met Ted first, right? Yes. PTA. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything about your guys's first encounter. <laughs> it wasn't good. Was that your guys's first encounter? Okay, yes. I don't yeah. even like to. T- I don't even yeah. like to talk about this part of my life because I don't like to admit <laughs> that I was even on the PTA, and let alone <laughs> the president great. of the PTA. Don't I talk know. about it. We're not going to talk about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's. I didn't even realize yeah. that was how talk you guys about first met. And trauma. And I we're feel such, like, but we're such good friends now. Everybody's such good friends. I'm, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I'm very thankful. Well, if you, if you, I, I, have, I don't know. If I have this weird way of meeting people. Like my, my best friend for like ever. I hated him in high school. <laughs> really? I, I, I punched him. I punched him because he was so obnoxious and he just was like, ah, I'm out of here. Uh-huh. And then we became best friends and roommates and he was my best man. and That's you know, hilarious. That's how I meet people. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so nice. just, just a little backstory. <laughs> just because people have no idea what we're talking about right here. What are we talking about? Because my memory of this is there was a discrepancy over some PTA financial documents, yes. formulas, yes. In, an ex- yes. in an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, uh-huh. and the, yeah and... he basically didn't know how to use Excel. <laughs> <laughs> and he was the treasurer. So I had a problem with so, that. So anyways, it was like, I mean, I should not have been that the president of that PTA either. I should not. I was not qualified for that job. Um, but I but think, no, nobody is. Uh, yeah. And of all of the... Ted, how many years has Ted been the, the treasurer? You were definitely right. yeah. very qualified. Oh, thank so. you. Thank you. <laughs> It just wasn't my jam. I'll just start saying that. Oh, I didn't. So I wouldn't. No, I don't believe. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, sometimes you got to try things and and figure out that that's not for me. Yeah, and that's not for me, and that's not for me, and that's not for me. Exactly. You got to fail a bunch of times to to Mm -hmm. to succeed. Yeah, Yeah. and I think that that you know, like we just don't do all of these things because we don't want to fail at them or we don't want to. You know, and and we look at that as something negative, but, you know, it Mm -hmm. it wasn't like I grew a lot from that experience, you know, even, Mm -hmm. even the things that aren't my jam, you know, I'm glad I did it, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think that it's, it's it's the same thing we just talked about. It's like failing is like, so taboo, you know, you don't, people don't, you don't want to, you don't want to fail in front of people. And it's like, well, you know what, you you gotta, sometimes if you're in front it's of people, it's hard to measure success when when you've never when you've never failed. Yeah, yeah. it just is. Yeah. it's like what does that mean? Yeah, yeah, you're gonna fail, and if you're in front of people, you're going to they're gonna see it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It just has to be. I failed on national television. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's and okay. so did a whole bunch of other people. Yes, and it's and okay. And they're still doing it. And they're still doing it, and they're amazing people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyways, so you worked in an agency for a while, and then you realized, wow, I'm not getting paid any money. I'm working my ass off. This mm-hmm. is, I went to school, and there has to be something better. So you decided mm-hmm. to open a private practice. And um, well, I got hold on by a, a a private practice. It was a group practice. Okay. And okay. there was, um, so within my first year, um, we discovered that there was some mismanagement occurring, mm-hmm. and um, had to. Uh, there was a lot of really, um, kind of scary stuff, like, like a lot of non-transparency and the, like, uh, what may or may not have been insurance fraud, like, um, and so like really quickly had to be like, oh, I need to like now switch into like all doing all of this myself. So like I had to learn how to do my own insurance billing. I had to learn how to do like my own advertising. Like it was like, oh, okay. Like this is happening right now, you know? Um, yeah. And those are a lot of different specialties to try and take on as a second job. Yeah. yeah. That's big. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but also like in that process realized how many people need therapy and like, and I, I mean, I had my own huge wait list by the time that I started hope development practice. That was part of the reason that I did as a, like, there are not enough providers that work with children. There are not, there just aren't enough therapists. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had already done supervision um, when I worked at the agency and, and it really is one of my loves. Like I, I love training other therapists. It, it, it really brings me joy, like to see when they connect the dots with theory and when they're able to really come into their own and figure out like what their niche is and everything. So I was like, you know, I really feel like I, I want to do that again. And I'm like, how can I make this happen? So that was, you know, I, I went through a really long grieving process after my dad died because he actually became my biller (laughs) and like was like one of my biggest supporters. And, um, you know, uh, when he passed it, like I had pretty prolonged grief. Like I didn't work for like a good month and, and kind of when I came back to, you know, um, uh, some resemblance of normalcy, I was like, I really want to, I want to create something in his honor. And he was a huge advocate for, he, he worked in education um, and was always like the, the underdog advocate. Right. And definitely um, you know, coming from Idaho, not, we, we didn't have a lot of experience with LGBTQ or like, at least that people were out. Um, and so, you know, even outside of that, he was like that person that people would come out to. Right. Or, um, and so like that, you know, just having that example. Um, and then, so that was oddly enough, I like had no idea that my child was trans, right. Like at this point, and I was like, I'm going to lean into this and I really want to develop this. Um, shortly thereafter, then uh, he came out and I was like, I know what to do. Right. Because I was like, 
I, I can handle this. Right. <laughs> and so, um, it oh. may have opened up the door for my kid to feel safe enough to come to me. Right. Like, because right. maybe I hadn't had enough of the conversations. I don't, I mean, and maybe they would have still, right. But even outside of that, I think that it really reaffirmed like, yes, mom will love me no matter what. Right. So, yeah. Um, Isn't that, that's I my just big, love how the universe yeah. works. I know. Yeah. Right. Like I'm so thankful that like, no matter what happens with this nonprofit, I'm like, it allowed for that opportunity, allowed for me to learn the things that I needed to, to be able to get him the right, you know, trans-affirming care, be able to support him, you know, appropriately, help us to mm-hmm. have access to, me and Ted to have access to, you know, the literature that um, could help us in our process. Because no matter what, you like, you're going to have feelings as a parent when your child comes out. You're going to have feelings when your child it, like any of the things, Loses right? Like the when tooth. They, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, mm-hmm. like, I think normalizing that is a huge piece of, you know, what I hope to do because I want that space for parents to be able to come and process with me or the other therapists at my agency so they don't bring it home to their kids and re traumatize right. their kids, right? Because that's Absolutely. so much of what we see happens over and over again, right? Is not they're not ill-intending by any means right but the things that they say out of ignorance or because of their own emotional pieces that they need to process then you know their kids internalize right and so Mm -hmm. um you know that's that is the hope that we're we're creating that space so yes you are and i and you said whatever happens with you know, this practice and your, or, you know, this agency. And I just can't even believe that you say that because let me list the things you guys <laughs> are, you guys created the first East Pierce County pride event. You, um, employ 20 therapists. You have gender affirming support groups, neuro neurodivergent support groups, individual therapy, couples therapy, polytherapy, family therapy, and you have a wait list of a hundred people. I mean, yeah, I need more therapists, but I also need I mean, a clinic, right? So that I have more supervisors too. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> so what's in the what's in the future for Hope Development? I mean, you guys are doing everything. Like, how can we find you? How can we support you? How can we support your events? Like, if we would like to give, like, how can we do that? So our website, so Hope Development P, and it, that was the yeah. So what? Don't get me started on. I don't know how to use technology. So when I started the group and created the domain. I didn't know what I was doing. So there. Well, that's why that's, you didn't get your email the, and it was my fault. Because I corrected I your typo. So, <laughs> but you also can just Google hope development practice and it will pop up. Okay. Um, but our website has a link and it talks about each of the things. So Plateau Pride is our pride event. And so there we have on their um, interest forms for volunteering for the event. Um, for mm-hmm. being a sponsor for the event. Um, we have our general um, website. Um, we use Zephy as a form to for people to donate um, just to our general fund. And it has like mm-hmm. pledges that you can do. So like if you want to do a monthly pledge of $20, like this, that amount can okay. help subsidize like um, one uh, teenager to do the gender affirming group um, per week, right? Like it is, is about $20 Amazing. a week. 
Um, so like all of those pieces and, um, you know, that's what we're trying to expand into like right now. Um, most of what's covering our running is, uh, costs is, um, insurance, but, um, insurance, there's not equity when it comes to mental health. Um, you would laugh at how much some, some of the insurance, and it's a huge spectrum too. It's almost bizarre, but, um, it doesn't, I mean, when you think about overhead costs and everything like that, it does not amount to, <laughs> I mean, it amounts to a livable wage. And that's my, my, my goal is that therapists should be able to pay their student loans and yes. not feel like they're seeing 4,000 clients a week. Cause that's not okay either. Mm -hmm. Um, no, they a, will burn out a lot of, and then they'll never exactly. pay their loans back. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a huge thing. Like a lot of agencies clients, I mean, therapists will have 90 clients that they're responsible for. And now if you have that many clients, obviously you can't see them weekly. And no. we know that weekly care, especially initially is going to help us create better outcomes. So mm -hmm. if you have a hundred people, how do you know their name, let alone no. get into their deepest, darkest fears and secrets and help them create a different way of living, a different way of coping? You can't. Right. So, mm -hmm. I mean, my therapist, I'm like, you're not uh, allowed to have more than 25. <laughs> and like, that's great. I yeah. mean, this and probably, so, I mean, I have other therapist friends and they're probably thinking, this sounds like my dream job. Where do I sign up? You know, <laughs> I mean, go, you are on the website <laughs> for if people want to apply. <laughs> um, because we have, to, <laughs> yeah, like, you yeah, need I feel it. Like yeah. People fast enough, you know, and like they're, you know, and, and the demand is everywhere. So, like, I know somebody, one, one of the people had asked on there was like, about um, feeling like people aren't taking new clients and, and stuff. Right. Everyone has some resemblance of a wait list, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And so part of it is, is there's just not enough therapists. Um, legislation yes. in Washington is trying to address that. So they are, they're coming out with new policy to help lessen some of the um, requirements and I have mixed feelings about that because I do think that there needs to be requirements when we are doing the level of care that we're doing, right? We need to have mm -hmm. high ethical standards. We need to make sure we're doing our own work that we're supported appropriately. Um, but we also need therapists. So like it, it is a really hard time right now um, because mm -hmm. of, you know, we kind of have it coming from, from both, you know, sides, like how, how high the need is. And then, and then also during COVID, a lot of people left the profession because of mm -hmm. how taxing it's been and how hard it was to make a really fast transition if you especially were in your own private practice um, and follow up on the legality of things like transitioning to telehealth. Like there's a lot of requirements around that. And um, a lot of people, you know, don't know. Um, and I mean, it has helped some elements because they're really trying to have state to state reciprocity so that you don't have to necessarily get licensed in every state to provide mental health services, which would be oh, huge wow. for places like Wyoming, Missouri, yes. where there's such a huge demand and there's like, it, you can't. Mm -hmm. Zero supply. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But yeah. that being said, it's still really, really difficult. Um, and so, um, you know, there are. Hey, but, but, but we can do that for guns. Right. It's amazing how we can make some things happen. Yeah. 
I have a concealed carry permit that goes everywhere what? now. And but I you mean, can't, you can't see a therapist from a yeah. different state. So, so what would you what would you say to do for people who want to seek help but they are finding it difficult to find a therapist? Would you say, hey, go to your doctor and ask for a recommendation? Would you say to go on BetterHelp.com and go? chat with an online therapist like is some of that okay i mean which yeah. which they do ones have of to, these like, things so are yeah there are a lot of really good companies that are online only um and they are they're going to be vetted therapists if they're on a, a site like that i am always a little bit leery of um some like i would always verify right like that that they mm -hmm. are um licensed and accredited right like so you know that they're going to be doing like that background to make sure that the therapists that they're employing have gone through the proper training and and have the proper licensure and everything like that you can also look up any therapists on any state department of health you should be able to verify credentials oh, okay. and on the the department of health you just need to know what their credential is so like for mental health in Washington, there's a ton of designations. So I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. There's also okay. um, the when you're in training after your master's degree, there are 2,000 hours of training you have to have under a supervisor, and that's an associate level. So you have um, people that are uh, mental health uh, associates and marriage and family therapy associates and social work associates. Now, people often are apprehensive about seeing an associate. I'm like, they've got energy. They just graduated. Yeah. See them, right? Like, don't yeah. feel like negative about it. My one catch is, is because of the demand, I am very cautious about what people are charging because I'm seeing okay. associates charging twice as much as I charge, having almost 20 years of experience. So yes. I am also like... You don't need to pay somebody $250 an hour. Like that's like, yeah. so start with your insurance company and sue who, who's panel yes. un, under their insurance, okay. right? Like, so call your insurance company, see who's on. And just get a list. list. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Psychology and then you today. can research them online. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. And there's multiple different things. So we're, we have like psychology today. We're on the agency registry for the state. We are on some of those specialized things for like LGBTQ and polycule um, affirming care because not everyone has the training or um, or should like, you know, we have our own, you know, we all have our own um, belief systems and everything like that. And it's like, if you are not open to certain populations, you shouldn't be working with them. Right. Absolutely. So uh -huh. that's if you, if you do come from a population like subset like that. Look and see if there's um, any of the um, support groups or um, various, um, you know, connections in the community. If people are saying like, yes, I feel I feel supported here at this place. Right. Like so word of mouth. Um, so mm -hmm. definitely don't don't, you know, feel bad about researching and being picky who you go to. That being said, right. I know that there's long wait lists, but sometimes it's worth the wait, you know? Right. And just get on the wait list, you know, if yes. that's the worst oh, case absolutely. scenario, just get on that wait list. And I tell, yeah, yeah. When we tell anybody who like contacts us, we're like, 
please get on multiple wait lists, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. if we get to you and you've waited for four months, we're not going to feel bad if you found another therapist. Like, please, right? You know, please that's, get help. that's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I I always recommend get on you know three, four, five wait lists, and you know you're going to eventually come up on that. And sometimes people, you know, it kind of goes in waves, right? Where we end up having a, a few people that graduate from therapy and you are able to take on a couple of people at one time. And then, um, the weight ends up being less than what we think it's going to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I am just so proud of you and I'm just, oh, I'm so lucky you. to call you my friend. And I'm just, I, I think that lucky. this is probably winding up, up towards the end. And I just wanted to say that before the very end. And Thank, Thank you for you. being here. So do, do you have time for a few questions? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The questions. Okay. So we have a, face, a, a Facebook group where our members um, ask questions of our guests yes. ahead of time. And go join that group. Um, and yes. Yeah, go join that group. <laughs> the, the, the URL will be in the description. Um, so the first one is from Marilyn. And she says, it sounds like you are doing groundbreaking work, Abby. Is your program well accepted amongst mental health professionals? And what kinds of resistance have you met? How have you brought people along to support your own journey? By the way, I really respect you and the work you're doing. Great question. I love her too. Um, so, uh, I feel like in, in part, I think being in Washington helps, but, um, a lot of mental health providers and um, have have been wonderful. Like the schools that I supervise interns from, like uh, the word has spread like wildfire and we've become a pretty desirable site to do your internship, which I feel honored um, because ultimately I want growing therapists to feel supported, that they have good supervision, like they're learning what they came to learn, that they're working um, and doing the work that they came to do. Um, so, uh, I would say for the most part, really supported the, the one area where it isn't is, um, agency to agency and only so far been Pierce County, because when I was attempting to go through the process of becoming an agency, I reached out to other agencies to see if I could talk with their executive directors and, um, not only did not get calls back from the majority, the people I heard back from were um, straight up rude. And the only reason wow. I can think of is, I know, um, is seeing it as competition for grant and federal funding. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, that's kind of gross is what it feels like to me. Cause I'm yeah. like, if you went into mental health, you should be doing it to help people um, not to mm-hmm. like compete with them for things. And especially if you're not going to supply appropriate support to your clients where they're being seen weekly um, some of our clients have to be seen biweekly, right? Like, because there's significant things mm-hmm. going on in their life. And I'm like, yes, we will see people and meet them where they're at with their level of care, where it is a pretty big problem with a lot of agencies. Like if you have a hundred clients or even 50 clients, I'm like, you can't see people weekly, you know? Um, so that's like, my thing is like, we need to change the system, Right. Um, and so that's where I kind of butt up against things is it's not only the competitive like aspect of things, but 
the system as a whole and not creating the conduciveness for us to have a good mental health system. So, um, and then yeah, that's what I, I like love about you so much. <laughs> I'm like, change I the system. Fight. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no. My my anarchy roots, you know. Um, but I'm I'm blanking on what the other. <laughs> all right, that, that was great. Okay, I I can't remember if I hit all of the um, question, but yeah, you you kind of yeah, I think you did. Mm. Um, next one up is John. He says since the onset of COVID. There seem to be far fewer therapists accepting new clients and far more conducting sessions strictly via virtual platforms such as Zoom. Do those observations seem accurate to you? And do you see the telehealth-only trend reversing in the future? Um, I would hope so. Um, and I, I absolutely agree. Um, I think that there is a lot of um, burnout. And I think so a lot of people that are not taking um, clients, um, one, it's because they probably got sick of tracking a wait list. If they're like doing their own, um, you know, uh, private practice, you don't have administrative help necessarily. Um, and then with telehealth, I don't see it going anywhere, which I'm not sad about because I, I still want to take, you know, things seriously. Is it likely that we'll have an upsurge of, of COVID during the winter months? Probably. And I want to have the option to make sure that me and my family mm -hmm. are safe. And so I have that option. So I will not, we will not be getting rid of it. Now, have we seen the, then I have seen a need. Well, and, and can I, can, can I just interject there? Uh -huh. I, I would imagine that some of your clients also want, yes. like the Zoom calls and stuff, if there's an outbreak mm -hmm. again, mm -hmm. because they want to be safe too. Yep. I didn't want to go to the hospital or any kind of facility at all during COVID because yep. I didn't know how, at the very beginning, didn't know how we got it, didn't know how it was transmitted, yep. you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like Zoom calls are great. Yep. I agree. <laughs> but in person is always better. Mm -hmm. Let's just say mm -hmm. that. I, I agree. And having gone through two years of training interns mm -hmm. that did not see a single person in person face to face. Like it was all virtual. I feel like there was a, a complete disservice to those therapists. There was nothing we could do. And I, by no means would I ever have changed and like made people come in person, right? But we offer hybrid right. and we are seeing more and more, like uh, most of my wait lists are people that went in person or need in person, right? Like, you know, it's hard to work with a five-year-old that has ADD virtually. Now, have we gotten creative? Heck yeah, because it's been a necessity, right? But if I can, yeah. I absolutely prefer, like, I don't like sitting still. I like moving. And when you work with five-year-olds, you got to be <laughs> moving, right? And mm -hmm. so yeah. Yeah. Um, my hope is that we will come to a good place where people feel like their needs can be met in both worlds, right? Um, I don't think right. we're, yeah. we're quite yeah. there yet. Um, but like with my new, over the last about year, all of my interns, I've encouraged to at least do one day of seeing clients in person. Um, I, I do have some therapists that are all virtual because they built up like their caseload all virtually. Um, it, but I am even with my therapist right. seeing that shift where they want to be doing in person because it's it's hard when you don't have the connection. Like as therapists, we mm -hmm. hold a lot, right? And if you don't have other people to talk to and process that when you get off, you know, the 
uh, uh, Zoom or um, use a bunch of different platforms, but um, with yeah. somebody who's suicidal or processing trauma, like that is, I mean, this is why people have burnt out, right? Like we had to hold all yeah. of that and pretend like everything's fine, right? And it's not fine. Like right. I've, I've seen some of those memes like that say, call your therapist, they're not fine. Like, yeah, yeah. it's, I mean, it's so true. And that's, you know, the thing is like as a therapist, when I wanted to re-engage in therapy, it took me six months to find a therapist and I had yeah. to do telehealth to be able, I wasn't going to be able to do in person. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah. yeah, so again, part of it is the system is broken, <laughs> you know, but I do see, I am seeing people, um, trying to open up some in-person availability, but, um, I think it's just going to take time before we get to a good kind of balance between the two, you know? Yeah. It's, it, it sounds, it sounds like the industry, if, it, if I can call it that, because mm -hmm. it sounds too businessy, but, um, it, it sounds like your profession needs a lot more advocates and a lot more powerful advocates mm -hmm. in the state and federal level. Yeah. So I think that's something that we can all kind of affect that change. So that's, yeah, absolutely. We'll have to work on that. Um, next one. Rach says we need more people like you to help with marginalized populations like L LBGTQ people, disabled people and people of color. What drew you to working with members of the LGBT community? And what advice would you give to those in less gay-friendly states to help provide some of the services you and your team provide? Mm -hmm. um, well, I mean, I think we've touched on a little bit of what, what drew me to that, right? Like the, you know, um, and I knew it was an area that needed support, right? Um, as far as um, if you're like, if you know people in other states or anything like that, um, follow our website. Like um, we we're on Facebook. Um, so hope development on Facebook message me. And we try to find, we try to connect with people all over the country that are doing this work, right? Like if we, if you can't, you know, find it, then we might be able to help you. Right. Um, because I do stay connected with, um, a lot of people that do have multiple licenses that, um, are seeing people t with telehealth in a lot of different States. So, um, so like our, uh, the chair of you, our board. You have to be licensed individually in each state, right? That, yeah, that you are seeing people in. So it's most of the time, yeah. it depends on where the client is. Um, however, there are some states mm -hmm. where they care about both, right? Um, and so it's really okay. contingent on the state. So that's why I, I lean into people that do have licensure in multiple states so that I can find out, you know, some of those things. Um, and there luckily are, you know, some of these. Uh, larger businesses that are trying to do just that. Now, the hard part is, is that a lot of them are going to be strictly telehealth, obviously, if they're in a different state. Um, but sometimes just at least being able to start that, even if you're looking for somebody in person, mm -hmm. sometimes that therapist who's telehealth can help you make that connection, right? Like they can help you with that work and then be able to get a more appropriate fit or whatever. Um, but just having somebody help you do it can make it feel that less overwhelming or, you know, less overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like your, I feel like your profession, even though 
I think, as you've said, you get into this profession because you want to help people. It's like your passion. It's, it's why you get up in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, it sounds to me based upon your experience, trying to work with other agencies and whatnot, that, um, that maybe isn't a hundred percent true in that. I guess what I'm trying to say is there, there needs to be more collaboration and more referrals and mm -hmm. more cooperation between different people. Because at the end of the day, if your job or your mission mm -hmm. is to help people and you physically cannot help that person, yeah. why not right. yeah. use somebody, you know, refer them to somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I said, yeah. like most of us, our code of ethics actually says exactly that, like, that you, yeah. if you aren't, you know, able to, or like, that's why we, you know, we try to give people referrals when they come in and, and are on our wait list. Some people choose, they're like, no, this is where we want to be, you know, but we usually reach out mm -hmm. every so often, depending on how long the wait list is. And like, just a reminder, like, this is how long we're looking. Have you reached out to any of these other places? Um, you know, just yeah. because the reality of like a potential six month wait you until you're in the thick of it, it doesn't like necessarily set in right away. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. I'm like, you know, there are plenty of people that need help that, you know, could, could be seen by a multitude of different places. Right. Like, um, you right. know, and so there, there are a few places that I, I feel safe enough knowing that they've done like adequate training in regards to LGBTQ. And then not all of our clients, are within that population either, right? Like I work with little, little kids right. and obviously they're not, you know, they don't know anything about, uh, you know, mm -hmm. sexual identity or, or gender identity, or, you know, I do a lot of parenting stuff, um, as well, you know? And so, you know, I, I definitely have, um, a lot of people that I've worked with previously or, um, have, have, heard good things uh, from either other clients that we put on our, and so we'll like put those places on our referral list so that we can at least offer some connections. Um, but I'm hearing from a lot of people that a lot of those places also have a wait list as well. Um, so. Yeah. The, 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 the wait list situation and the, and the, and the difference between demand and supply in this field is, is, it's a big gap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there should be like governmental assistance in incentivizing more people to go into the field, mm -hmm. but that's, that's a long-term endeavor, right? You can't just say more therapists, you got to yeah. say, okay, how long did it take you to get from A to Z yeah. to become a therapist? And that's, that's kind of how far you have to go back. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to reap a whole lot of rewards until that training period is oh. like met. So exactly. If it takes seven years, it's going to take seven years to get there. Mm -hmm. And that's if you start today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that's, that's kind of rough. Um, two more questions. Mm -hmm. Is that cool? Yep. All right. Um, what were your, and, and you kind of touched on this too, but what were your primary challenge? And it's probably not past tense. What mm -hmm. were your primary challenges in obtaining funding and how did you overcome those challenges? <laughs> that we haven't. Mm. That's like why I'm going to school. <laughs> like, and now, you know, granted, yeah. like my staff get paid, right? But they, uh, right, as of right now, like I can't do like W 2 employment, you know? So most of my staff are um, subcontractors 
Um, so like, and that's part of the thing is like, I don't want to also contribute right to the burnout of like people need health insurance. And so these are things that, right. that my board is helping us work on as part of, I mean, as much as we created Plateau Pride for the community, the goal is that this will be, you know, a fundraiser that will feed into and help supply, uh, money to run some of the programs that we, we run or do things like help us have benefits for our employees. Right. Um, or like our, our interns are unpaid. Like it would be nice to, I mean, I try to do little incentives, you know, when I can, but it would be nice if they had a stipend or, you know, something like that. Um, so we are Mm -hmm. using, we just started with a company called V it's V E E and they, um, help with social media and finding grants. So um, they, because a lot of it is research around grants and like figuring out who, what we can qualify for if we meet the, the needs and all of that. Um, and so we just started with them um, a few weeks ago. And so I've done some grant writing with them, um, but we got our first like grant from the Trans Justice um, I want to say league, but now I'm like, uh, I'm thinking I'm blending Justice League in, <laughs> but it's, but it's, <laughs> it's trans justice something. But, um, so, uh, yeah. which is wonderful because now we have like a little bit of money. Um, it's definitely not anything that's going to sustain us to be able to get like benefits or anything, but it could help us with right. some of the costs of an, the startup of a group or, um, you know, paying our taxes or, well, we're a nonprofit. But, but, you know, we, we have a lot of, we have overhead costs and stuff, just like a nice buffer. Um, so the hope is, um, cause we're, we've only had our nonprofit status for a little over a year. Um, and so we're really new in, in, you know, navigating the world of, of fundraising and grants and, and all of that. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Last one is, is kind of fun, but I have to ask both of you, you've already mentioned your kids names abby but megan you haven't so can i mention a name that's in this question yes absolutely because it's kind of personal yeah all right this one comes from your husband oh my gosh my husband (laughs) needs to be blocked (laughs) (laughs) And, and and i guess you guys well i know you guys so i didn't know abby was there but i knew you guys went to california Mm -hmm. to look at a problem no actually what is your yeah. That wasn't no, bad. Actually, oh. I'm, I, can I tell a little bit of a story? So yeah. um, when I found out that I was actually leaving for MasterChef, like I was going on a plane to California by myself, like, you know, that it was official. Um, they said that my family could come out for filming, but um, Violet was too young. And so we had nobody Mm. to leave Violet with. And, you know, she's never really been away with from us. Like she's only four. She was only four at the time. And so I don't know if I directly asked Abby. I don't know if I put it out there, but Abby came through for us. (laughs) She came to California. She came to California she watched Violet. She dealt with all the kids. She, you know, slept in the hotel. I mean, it was, she, okay. she was amazing. And this is not the first time she's really, <laughs> sorry. 
I may have come with a paintbrush at some point. <laughs> yes. Oh. To, she to did. She's like, yeah. she, did, she showed up to Wyoming. She, you know, she's came to California. Like, I mean, she's just an amazing friend and um, I'm so lucky to have her. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm lucky as well. So here's the question. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you you can wipe your eyes. Down. Yes. Okay. Uh, we'll, Back we'll to Paul. That for I'm now. blocking Paul from, no, from asking questions. All right. What is your favorite moment from your time in California with Jack and Violet? So he must be driving at something. I well I don't know, but there was a we had a great time. Like it uh, it was really like I mean I think we lived in the pool. Like, I think yeah. that we just, like, swam. <laughs> well, you were in Southern California, right? <laughs> but it was when they had the rain, the rainstorm. It felt, was like, January. Unprecedented yeah. <laughs> rain. Oh, okay. So it was bizarre. But, and so they had, it, it, they had an indoor and an outdoor pool. But we, like, mm -hmm. we, like, spent the day ordering Uber Eats and, like, swimming <laughs> all day. And then the, um, when me and Jack and Violet were hanging out when they had all gone. The rest of them had gone to, for the filming. Um, we just, we had a fun day and like, it was super cute to watch um, Jack and Violet because um, Jack uh, taught Violet some things on the switch and like, I think they were doing like Minecraft or something <laughs> and it was so cute. And then, um, and then we of course um, had to do some art. And so they yes. had some wonderful art time together <laughs> Um, but then, uh, so, but I have to add a part that was just me and Jack. Um, so they, at the hotel we were staying at, they were filming, um, I'm in a blank. I'd, I actually haven't watched it cause I think it's a channel we don't have. Um, but, um, one of the actors from the office, um, he is one of the guys who's in the actual, not like in the office, but does the packaging center. Um, okay. Uh, okay. So he was, he's the star of the show. Um, and I'm feeling so bad that I can't remember his name. Um, and Jack was <laughs> like, oh, exactly. Um, but Jack was like, oh my gosh. And we were standing like at the front desk or something and he walked by right behind Jack. And like, I'm guessing like by some of the roles that he plays, like he can play off like a, like, but he could tell Jack was super excited. And, and so he kind of like did this like straight faced, like, like nod to Jack. Jack like immediately melted. It was hilarious. And then you could <laughs> see him kind of turn and get this big, you know, grin on his face. So, um, that was, yeah. that was Jack's, I think, you know, favorite I'm so moment. glad that he got to meet or see or encounter a yeah. celebrity while in I know. LA. I mean, besides right? me, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're always the number one celebrity, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know. Oh my gosh. We had you so much fun. The weirdest, you run into the weirdest situations in LA. Yeah. Somebody's always filming something somewhere. Yeah. I, I literally, I literally ran into Bono when they were filming a video. No way. And I almost, I almost got my ass whooped by his bodyguards. Oh, no. Because oh, I was too close. Yeah. I'm sure he's got an entourage. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, he does. Oh man, does. That's that funny. would be a cool one to see. That's a cool encounter. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. <laughs> oh, do we have any more questions for Abby? That that was all of the questions we had from our um, group members. Yeah. Um, I did have a question mm-hmm. though, and I th- let me let me see if I can recall it. I had to do. Were you taking notes? Had to do with your. <laughs> It had to do with your um, bio, and I'm probably not going to find it. I took notes, but... I was joking about notes, on. but now I'm impressed. <laughs> um, let's see. Maybe it was on the Facebook page itself. Sorry. Tell a story. Tell a story. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. What kind of stories do we have? Oh, I found it. <laughs> but I don't think I want to ask it because it might be too personal and too personally identifying. So oh, that you can ask was even it, though it's in it's in the group. Was it the name? So Yeah. 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 So that <laughs> um So 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 back up and tell tell us tell us your alter ego. My alter ego, Wicked Lardo. <laughs> so which is really funny. Like it is a Star Wars reference. Um yes. Okay. Yeah. So I had no idea. So Wicket is one of the Ewoks. And when okay. Wicket like gets like upset, like he's got a spear and he's like, Lardo, Lardo. So that is what it actually comes from oh. because I'm a total nerd and love Star Wars. And I have often okay, been referred okay. to as maybe a little Ewok-esque, where Ted is I a little okay. more like Chewbacca. He, he is Chewbacca. He is. So if he you is. ever want to know oh. what happens when you have an Ewok <laughs> and a... And a Chewbacca have a baby? <laughs> yes. Those are my children, apparently. That's them. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> They're going to yeah. be so proud that we said that. I know, right? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I never knew that. I, I didn't know what Wicked Lana know, was, and I'm pretty... too lazy to look it up because I didn't. I, I thought it was too weird to like look up. It's that's not. I, be yeah, better. I don't know that but it would. Yeah. So, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is cool. as far as like why I use it is so that, you know, clients, I mean, they know, like I can't friend them on Facebook and, you know, things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, but that's why a a lot of therapists don't use their, their name, um, for the safety of their family and and things like that, because sometimes there is safety things in regards to the people that we work with or, um, you know, or sometimes we like, well, yeah, I, I learned the same thing about police officers. Yeah. They're they're not generally not on social yep. media. Exactly. Because of that very reason. Mm-hmm. They become targets yep. and not cool. Exactly. So don't want to leave on a downer. Yeah. But... <laughs> let's go back to the tears. Let's go back to the tears uh, I, of joy. Yeah. Yes. Or the yeah, or yeah. the Ewok combo. I mean yes. that is definitely yeah. <laughs> That's that's a, a ge- that's a genetic miracle. I know, right, yes. there. right? I didn't. Who knew that they could breed? <laughs> and <laughs> your kids and your kids are amazing human beings. 
They are pretty Aww, good. Oh, thank kids. you. They are pretty we, cool. Yeah. We think they are pretty cool. We think they are too. That's good. So. <laughs> well, well, thank you so much for being on. Um, I, I, I think we have like a hundred more questions. I know. I could go. This is just. I know. I could go on and on. I mean, just, just the field alone is, is just super interesting and, and most of us don't know a damn thing about mm -hmm. it. So, um, we all want to know how to talk to our kids, how to talk to our spouses or partners. Mm -hmm. And those are all really, really tough things because for the most part, we don't see it in our parents oh, yeah. or we didn't see it in our parents. Yep. They didn't talk, yep. you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, 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 it's hard and, and, I think Megan, you said it before. It's like, where's the manual? Yeah. And I and I always say, you know, RTFM, read the fucking manual. Yeah. Well, there is no there manual. There isn't one. No. You make it up as you yeah. go along. Yeah. It's a free and, for all, and, and it doesn't feel good. No. <laughs> exactly. But then again, if there was a manual, it would probably like be wrong and teach you all the wrong I would things to do and say. So. Manual, anyways. I know. I know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it sounds really boring to read a manual, so Everybody's... <laughs> yeah. pretty boring. But it, but at least if you had like some guidelines, like yeah. here here are the ten things you got to mm -hmm. do. You know, maybe not tell us how to do it, but these are the things you need to do to make like a successful, happy human being, healthy human, yeah, being you, adult. Have you guys read the? Oh, that would be cool. The um, how to talk so kids will listen, and how to listen so kids will talk. They have it, and they have it kind uh -huh. of for like ages oh. different ages um those ones are really great i really okay. like that because i mean it's definitely not a manual but i think it does address like some of those ways in which overcoming those patterns that um we have experience with like parents not doing the like having those conversations and things like that mm -hmm. um and i think it has when i can remember like it even has like some good prompts um but those ones are really um, I think helpful. Um, but okay. good to know. We'll put that, we'll put those links down in the, in the thing. Yes. Too. And then link hope development cool. so that people can donate and follow the pride event and absolutely. maybe participate in the pride event some way mm -hmm. or somehow. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're trying to get, um, Bill's, um, second oldest, maybe, uh, band to, to, uh, perform next year where I think we're going to try to do it. I he, loved he the like performances um, this last year. It was so much fun. And we, we got so a lot cool. of feedback of people yeah. wanting to perform. Good. And so we were like, heck yeah, we really would love to have, you know, more representation of not mm -hmm. only the queer community, but like our local community, you know? And so I'm, I'm, I'm super excited right. um, about, yeah. you know, how, yeah things have evolved and just continues to hopefully grow and be. I've, I've been, I've been to both events, the one, you know, the first mm -hmm. one and then the one this year and it's fun. It's, it's all inclusive. Everybody's always got this like, kind of like trepidation yeah. that something bad is going to happen because of all the yeah. hate and division, but I haven't seen any mm -hmm. of that there. Yep. Um, it's, it's a beautiful event. You can be who you are. You can do, you know, there's lots of stuff to do. It's, it's perfect for kids. Kids stay there all day. Oh, yeah. They don't want to go home because yep. there's lots of fun activities and it's, it's just a, it's a really good event. And, and I, I hope it's raising money for you, like in a, in a good way. So. It has yet to raise us money. 
However, part of our mission is to have community involvement and community awareness. So it's meeting that goal no matter what. But um, mm-hmm. but that's just, I mean, I think me going to school and figuring out some of these things like budgeting, creating like some of those things, I think that will help us reach those goals. So I'm very optimistic mm-hmm. about it. No matter what, we're not getting rid of it because yeah. it has been a phenomenal event, you know, um, so... Yeah, as long as I have. Yeah, and, and may, maybe some, maybe, maybe some of us marketing types can help you with sponsorships and stuff like that. That, that would be amazing. Just a idea. Yeah. That, cool. That may have been. All right, anything? The, anything to close? Yeah. Oh. That may have been the what? The, that was when I was referring to like trying to get you, um, uh, like on my board and helping. Patricia may have mentioned, Ooh. like talking to you about some marketing stuff. And I've been so busy that I haven't had a chance. So. <laughs> well, anytime, anytime. Okay. Truly, anytime. Awesome. And I will Aww. definitely be in touch. All right. Well, cool. thank you, Abby. Thanks so much for yeah, being here. It was so much me. fun. I think this is our longest oh. episode ever, but I, it, nobody's going, nobody's going to turn it off because it's great. This is going to be great. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited for people to see it. Yeah. No, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. All right. So long. See you later.